This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, we have Movie Talk, a program for all things cinema-esque, for the discerning film and video junkie. Welcome again to Movie Talk. Today we'll be looking at Princess Diana's depressed state of mind in Spencer and a musical documentary about an Irish singer-songwriter in Crock of Gold, A Few Rounds with Shane McGowan. We also talk to Nick Paris of the Lumiere Cinemas. Your Royal Highness. Mummy. <laughs> Family are all gathered in the drawing room. They are waiting. In the very personal, intense drama, Spencer, we join Princess Diana on her Christmas holiday with the royal family at their Sandringham estate in the late 1980s. Sue Freeman's been off to the Lumiere cinemas to see this haunting reimagining of Diana's personal problems with her husband, Prince Charles. Um, Sue, at the beginning of this film, we are told that this is a fable from a true tragedy, which may help uh, prepare you for what turns out to be as much fiction as fact. Mm. Uh, What did you think of Spencer? Well, I think Kristen Stewart, I've never really much liked her as an actress, but I have to say she was absolutely amazing. This is as Diana. As Diana. I mean, she's a lovely-looking young woman. Yeah. And she does look uncannily like her sometimes. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. And and also she has got that beautiful, say, that beautiful beautiful skin, skin. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. She she really was exceptionally good. But I, I understand, I can... I understand the movie more now that I understand that the director was a Chilean. So I guess um, for many of us, we have this certain sort of a, a reverence and respect for the royal family. And he comes from it from a completely outsider's... Yeah, down in Chile. <laughs> you know, down in yeah. Chile, you know, after <clears throat> Pinochet. Mm. And, and so he, he doesn't have that grudging respect and, and <laughs> reverence for the he, royal family. He, he so, can say and make up anything he Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the royal family are uh, incredibly cold and distant in the what, movie. Well, I might as well explain here that this fellow, Pablo Larin, has also made a film about... Um, uh, Jackie Kennedy, that's President Kennedy's um, mm. wife, um, uh, who was tearful and bloodstained and became, um, you know, really upset by her husband's sexual misbehaviour. Yeah. When this f- film does follow pretty much the same yeah. theme and, and yeah. you know, top class people yeah. um, uh, misbehaviour of and you know, you know, all that sort of thing. There was a, there was an. I thought it was very interesting. Timothy Spall character is the equerry that was sort of taken from another estate and he he was there and it, you know oh, obviously, he's a fellow in charge of looking yeah, after and that obviously estate yeah all the staff were very it really came out they were very sympathetic towards Diana and did you notice that he had put that book about Anne Berlin on her yeah, bed and at yeah. the very end of the movie you see him putting that book 
back in the bookshelf. And I only yeah, say right. that I don't want to reveal too much, but there's, no. there's an interesting... Yeah, well, I think we, we can mention this because, I mean, this goes into... Di- this film is sort of goes into Diana's mind, her deeper... Mm. Uh, distress mm. and depression mm. and all of this, and you see it in different ways, including her dreams even, mm. and other fantasies that she has. And uh, I can see herself associating herself um, through this book uh, with um, Anne Boleyn. That was the wife of uh, Henry VIII. Mm. Um, and she had been beheaded so that her husband uh, could um, continue on with uh, other mistresses. Yeah. Yeah. And now I think she had the, in the film, according to the film um she's got these same sort of fears within yeah. herself mm. yeah it's understandable it's, but whether this ever happened um yeah i, I just I mean, don't know that's where the whole it's it, that's where the fable comes in you know really doesn't it you know yeah. it's anvil and walking along the corridors there i'm not sure mm. yeah but yeah yeah, but I mean, I tend to, um, but uh, again, as you mentioned, Kristen Stewart, uh, oh. that, that was an amazing acting role to to continue for the, to she was on maintain screen. for yep. the full length of that film. Yep, she was on screen the, all the time. Yeah, the, these deep, deep, deep emotional mm. twists and mm. upsets that she's mm. got, which is portraying every well, second that yeah. she's on the film. Yes. That is amazing. So I wouldn't be surprised if she gets nominated for an Oscar and uh, also could win it, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, she, I, I have to say, I mean, take aside all the, what you think about how the royal family are portrayed and the reality of the whole story, but Kristen Stewart's acting was amazing. She, I, I've changed my view of Kristen Stewart based on going to that movie. Yeah. And, mm. uh, and and there's sort of other lots, I mean, uh, things with the other people around her, the Queen and all these at this estate, they hardly have a word to say. It's no. only, there's only one conversation, one l- longer talk that she has with Prince Charles and that's with them standing at opposite ends yeah. of a big billiard table yeah. and um, sort of con- going on and he's trying well, to he's tell her there what... there has to be two of you. One private person and one public person. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so you know, you never get into this. And I mean, in the same way, his uh, Charles's mistress. Well, um, we we all know that this is Camilla um, mm. Parker Bowles. Yeah. But she is never mentioned by name in the film. No. There, she, you do see her standing outside yep. the church mm. at the scene of um, their, their wedding. This is no, Charles and that Diana. was the Christmas. Oh, and you mean not in the movie? In the movie, mm. um, yeah. you see it on the Christmas Day oh, church service. Yeah, yeah. Yes, oh, the Christmas the church. Yeah. yeah, a big fun. Yeah, yeah. Mm, and yeah. everyone's there. Yeah, big fun. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So you know, the film tosses in all sorts of things. I mean, there's other things that she's driving around the countryside to there, and she comes to this property which she claims is right next door um, to Sandringham. Sandringham. And this is where she and her her family, when she was a little girl, uh, she had lived there with her family. But uh, that's not true. It was was, uh, a a two-hour drive away. Well, well, it's all fable. So they're close enough to that in um, south-east England there. But this is Diana's family had a house at Northamptonshire while um, this other one was up... uh, a little bit further away from that. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, 
That was Sue Freeman with her views on Spencer and I'm Hans Petrovic on Movie Talk on Plains FM 96.9. With me now on the phone is Nick Paris of the Lumiere Cinemas. Nick, thanks for getting in touch because I assume you're going through the difficult adjustments required by the red traffic light setting to combat the Omicron outbreak that's threatening us even down here in Christchurch. Uh, what changes did you have to make at the Lumiere to deal with this situation? Yeah, well, not thankfully, not a lot. I mean, we're, what, year three of this, whole pandemic now so um, cinemas particularly um, are kind of well versed to rocking and rolling with it so um, we're just sort of um, extending slightly our you know protocols for uh, what happened under level two and um, so you know regular cleaning social distancing um, what else um, that, that kind of thing um, so it's pretty it's pretty basic so we keep you know one meter apart uh, different bubbles and uh, we Do people have to wear those masks inside? Yeah, no, you don't need to wear masks inside the cinema because the ventilation levels in cinemas are all augmented um, in terms of, you know, the, the the air filtration system is, you know, filtered every... is, is re... You know, recycled every um, you know fifteen minutes or wow, so. Well, I didn't know but, that. That's wonderful. Well, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it's, it's it's yeah, it's quite quite a job, but um, we've certainly upped the airflow um, and and recycling in de- in demand. But you know, the the good news is nobody's caught COVID in a cinema worldwide, so um, you've got more chance of it catching it from someone on the street, probably. <laughs> yeah, so you're safer in the cinema, you reckon? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's, that's something that's absolutely good to hear. Yeah, and of course what you're tell, telling me would apply to all the other cinemas in town. Of that's course, the other yeah. art houses and the bigger mainstream places. And Yeah, we, we all subscribe to the same rules issued by uh, MBE over the um, uh, how, how it pertains to cinemas, yeah, and we've, we follow that to the letter. Well, they all do in Christchurch. Yeah. Oh, well, it's so good to hear that from you. What age do you think are most affected by these sort of lockdowns? And uh, Well, I mean, it, it's, it's a broad... Depending on you know the cinema and, and its sort of oh, yeah. um, audience, you know, it's pretty broad acro- across the board. But you, you know, during the day, um, only people that have got time to go to the movies, i.e., um, you know, retired people, um, they're quite 
reticent and anxious about returning to cinemas and um, we're, we're wanting to welcome them back with open arms and say, well, you, you know, you can't be cooped up in your own house for, for too long. You'll go nuts. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's still a very safe um, uh, recreational activity to, to, to partake in cinema yeah. going. So, yeah, probably that sort of, you know, 40 to 70 uh, bracket. Yeah, and so you're all spaced out much further uh, from each other now. Yeah, but between bubbles, we just keep, you know, a one-metre gap um, in a 360-degree arc. So, you know, a lot of cinemas today are quite generous in their spacing anyway. Uh, it's not like, not like the old days where, you be, you know, you had your, your kneecaps around your neck. Um, <laughs> so it's a hell of a lot different now. Yeah. and, and it, all... just, it just means, you know, our capacity levels are sort of, you know, slashed by 50%. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. you know, it makes it difficult for cinema exhibitors to even, um, you know, break even these days. Yeah, of course. And I do understand that, Nick. Yeah. And also people would have to bring along their max, uh, vaccine passes, of course. And yeah, absolutely required. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. And masks, you know, in all the common areas of foyers and, and toilet areas and all that sort of toilet areas. And so OK. Forth. Well, in the meantime, what kind of movies have you got coming up to um, attract the people to the oh, year? Well, I'm loving this uh, 1970s nostalgia trip by Paul Thomas Anderson uh, called Licorice Pizza, and uh, that has Sean Penn uh, and a few other stars, and I think it's even got Tom Waits in it. Um, but it's based in and around the San Fernando Valley during the 70s where... Um, a young 16-year-old is quite keen on this sort of older older lady. I mean, she's in her late 20s, and they have this sort of um, on-again, off-again sort of flirtation um, uh, romance um, set during, you know, the nostalgic 70s. So it's sort of like a... Um, oh, it's definitely a romantic, you know... Um, uh, sort of ode during the waterbed era, if you yeah. remember waterbeds. Um yeah, mm. but, uh, but uh, I've seen the trailer a few times. It looks like a rather colourful, eccentric sort of a movie. It, it does. And look, Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, he's a master master craftsman. He did Phantom Thread with Daniel Day-Lewis, which was excellent. And, of course, um, There Will Be Blood with, with the same uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, and, and numerous others, you know, right back to Boogie Nights and um, Heart Eight and so forth. So he's got kudos, this guy. Yeah. And he's come up with a wonderful script. Um, it's uh, the soundtrack's by Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead, who also did the Power of the Dog atmospheric soundtrack. So already it's got my um, interest peaking. OK. And what about this Memoria film? I, I've read up the... Um uh, yeah, a bit of what it's about, and I still couldn't understand. What's that film actually about? No, Memoria. Uh, it's based in Bogota, <laughs> Colombia, and um, so um, it's, it's a very portentous film, very quiet when it needs to be, but it's 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 very mysterious, beautiful, I must say. Um, she's sort of the uh, lady Tilda Swindon um, is hanging around Bogota to visit her sister, um, who's an archaeologist, and um, they sort of discover all these human remains in a, in a uh, tunnel underneath this, this area where they visit. And things just start to go a little bit crazy with nature, you know. And mm -hmm. to give away much uh, in this film would be, would be to spoil it. Uh -huh. But um, it's definitely um, one of the wonder films, you know, in, in the Cannes Film Festival and, of course, um, uh, Sundance. Yeah, and of course, yeah, it sounds like good um, art house stuff like uh, for the yeah, Lumiere. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, thank you for your time, Nick, and um, I wish you all the best. And, um, well, at least you'll see me at your cinema. Good. Okay, Thanks, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>
That was Nick Paris of the Lumiere Cinemas at the Art Centre. I'd like to thank the sponsor of the show, the Harcourt's Grenadier Accommodation Centre, which is now located at 98 Moorhouse Avenue. If you're looking for a place to live, check out the Harcourt's Accommodation Centre website, assetmanagers.co.nz. That address again, assetmanagers.co.nz. Where we were the hottest live band in London. Shane McGowan, the visionary, one of the finest writers of the century. Clock of Gold, A Few Rounds with Shane McGowan, is a musical documentary that takes a close-up look at the life of the Irish punk band leader. Uh, put together from personal interview at a delightfully boozy storytelling session. Ian Cummings been off to the Alice Cinemas to see this intense but very enjoyable movie. Ian, what did you think of Shane McGowan in Crock of Gold? That's a sort of a poor imitation of Chuckles because if you remember in the film, he recounts amusing incidents with this most unusual sort of laugh or chuckle. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and what did I think of Clark, of Clark of Gold? A few rounds with Sean McGowan to give its full title. Well, it's just the, it's really a most amazing, astonishing documentary yeah, I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it's filmmaking. That, uh, you know, I've never heard of this bloke before, to be quite honest. I should have, but, uh, but uh, the film itself is magnificently put together. There's so much in it, different styles of filming and um, all these weird characters in and out and all over the place. Yeah, it's a, it's a blend of, of a one, there's wonderful animation and then there's archive footage Yes, and then yes. there's uh, recreating uh, with 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 footage, you know, um, now uh, of his childhood in extensive and revealing interviews yeah. with his sister Johnny Depp, who produced the documentary with Jerry Adams, ex president of Sinn Fein. Yeah, and his, his parents and wife also gave their views. And at the end, I reckon I knew this man. His music, his addictions to booze and soft drugs. And hard drugs. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, basically, it's a story of this um, Irish uh, man, a young Irishman. Um, but but actually, if you sort of check out a bit deeper, he, he was actually um, born in England, would you believe? And uh, then um, they were... And then they took him soon after that. Um, to yeah, they moved to Ireland, yeah. uh, lived there, and they, but then at the age of six they returned to London mm. with a little boy. Mm. And so he's been back and forth uh, over them. But he himself is deeply Irish, anything Irish, that's the issue. His music, um, his politics... Mm his personal beliefs, his, even his, his uh, religion. I mean, he comes from a religious Catholic family. Yes, then. I know. He was, um, he, he was very taken with the, with the mass and that sort of thing. Interesting, you mentioned the age of six. Before he went to London, he was sleeping in the same bed as Aunt Vera, who taught him how to smoke cigarettes. And he was drinking bottles of beer yeah. or glasses of, uh, of beer at the age of five and six and dancing yeah. on the tabletop. Yeah. There for the... Well, he, he believed that surely that even when you get to heaven, they'll allow to have alcohol and cigarettes up there. What exactly? Yes, yeah. I mean, fair enough. Because, but this is based on his family's deep belief mm. because they believed in letting uh, him, this child, do what he wanted as long as he went to mass. Then he <laughs> could do anything. So yeah. he started heavy drinking at the age of six. As I said, around, yeah. Yeah. But, but he's very articulate in his in his in his um, the views that he, he makes. He, he does not rate the Irish poet Yeats. 
by any means. But on the other hand, he's quite the opposite, thinking of Brendan Bayan. And then, of course, there's the Brits, as he calls them, and their relationship with the Irish over the last century. You know, so he's, he's very articulate. Oh, yes, and, he and can put and, his point. He's got opinions, strong opinions on everything, yeah. but he can also put them across very forcefully. Yeah, like, and he, he, mm. the way with words, and he says in the interview, as a child I would go exploring and I would see the sounds and hear the fields. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I yeah. thought was a good line. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a lovely start to the film. This is the first six years of his life living in Ireland. You see, yeah, the, the background to him, it's quite beautiful photography there of the surroundings. But then you switch over to black and white uh, films yeah. or into animated shots of oh, that the, period. Oh, know? the standard. The, uh, the animation is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it really, you know, it's it all, really helps make this yeah. film. Uh, you know, totally memorable. Because I, I had assumed it was just basically going to be about the, the musical career of uh, this Irishman, the kind of music that he put forward um, in, in late last century. And um, uh, But there's so much to this film. You know, there's uh, everything, the politics and, and the different characters. And, I mean, the way he talks, you know, well, first of all, uh, in his interviews, he's always holding a glass of wine there. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he's basically drunk throughout the film. It's, it's a sort of a boozy interview, you know. Well, as he said, when you're talking about doing his music, we're better when we're sober but it, it's not much fun, so we get drunk. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. He went to, when he was in England, and uh, probably in about his early teens, he went to Westminster School, which is a pretty posh school for young gentlemen. But as he says in the film, I wasn't going to become an English gentleman or even an Irish gentleman. Yeah, uh, and he yeah. found his niece there peddling drunks to the students who didn't know how otherwise how to get them. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> so but, he knew all yeah. about drugs. But, yeah. but then the, the late, and then you see a bit of London when he goes there as a, a young boy, and, and then you see him growing up in London again. Oh, well, he, in London later on, yeah, where he starts to get involved with the punk music there. That this is a, a sort of the music of the nineteen uh, eighties, uh, <laughs> and um, and he becomes involved in that, but mixes it with his. Irish music, mix, uh, fancy mixing punk music, punk pop music with Irish folk. Yeah, and, the, and that style together. of thing. Yeah, you know he's doing that, and including in in his band. This is the um, Pogues band. Mm. Um, the, 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 in the instruments that they use there, that included tin whistle. A mandolin and, the, and an accordion, yeah, yeah as but, typical Irish sound. You yes, know? which you wouldn't normally have in punk music, but of course, this <laughs> is not. It, it's, it's actually the director Julian Temple is a fantastic job he did. Yeah, um, mm. was, and he was infatuated by the punk rock scene, mm. and yeah. uh, he did two films about the Sex Pistols, Joe Trummer of the Clash, and he was a pioneer in music video. So he's made a five-star movie. And it's a must-see. Yeah. And and Johnny Depp's involved, too, as a film producer. But he's actually had been a friend of um, McGowan for 30 years, would you believe? Anyway, there's so many. We're running out of time so quick already. But uh, the amazing thing about this film is it's so much more in it than I ever expected. I think this will go into my top ten for the year. Thank you, Ian.
was Ian Cumming with his views on Crock of Gold, A Few Rounds with Shane McGowan. And I'm Hans Petrovic inviting you to listen to Movie Talk again on Plains FM 96.9 at midday next Wednesday. This program will also be repeated at midday on Saturday and you can listen to podcasts at, of earlier episodes on the Plains FM website, plainsfm.org.nz. Thank you.